Well, hello there, Walnut Hill family. Hey, it's so good to see you and to be here with you, whether you're here with me in Bethel or you're joining us in Waterbury, in New Milford or Derby, or you're part of my favorite campus, sorry guys, the online campus. If you don't know me, I'm Crystal Ellington. I'm the online campus pastor. And it really is a pleasure to be here to share the word of Jesus with you today. And I think Pastor Craig really kind of set me up really nicely. I am going to challenge you today, but you know why? Because I love you. This is so important for you to understand that Jesus calls us to speak the truth in love. And so I have to speak the truth, but I want you to know that deep in my heart is a deep love for you and for this church. And I would not be saying anything up here that Jesus had not already placed on my heart. I'm not coming out of pocket, friends. I'm speaking the words of the Lord. So like Pastor Craig said earlier today, we are in this season where we are studying what Jesus says what are those words that Jesus said specifically to us? How are we called to live as Christ followers? And he started us off in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5 last week, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus said some pretty radical stuff in there. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But last week, we talked about being salt and light. Not being salty, but being salt, you know, being useful, enhancing the environments that we find ourselves in. And Pastor Craig challenged us, he exhorted us to be light, to reflect the light of Jesus that we have on the inside of us to the world around us. And so we're gonna continue in this vein of being challenged. I'm gonna tell you about the radical words of Jesus. And the reason these words are radical was because they were contrary to culture. They were contrary to culture then, and they're contrary to culture now. Jesus revealed what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is not, does not think that power and authority and money are the most important things. No, Jesus shares with us through the Sermon on the Mount, those five, six, and seven in the book of Matthew, he shares with us that the most important things is loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. And we, as people who love Jesus, are called to show the world what the kingdom of God is like. So let me read again some of these radical words of Jesus. If you would turn to Matthew chapter 5, and I'm going to begin in verse 43. The Bible says, You have heard the law that says, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. And if you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. My Jesus said in this passage today, love your enemies. Love your enemies. And as we, as we work together to create this message, to craft the words that he wanted me to share with you, he dropped this phrase into my spirit. He said, if you love Jesus, you must love your enemies. If you love Jesus, you must love your enemies. Pretty challenging, right? 
Let's think about this love that Jesus is talking about. This love that Jesus is talking about is agape. And you might have heard the word agape before, but agape is a special kind of love. It's, it's self-sacrificing. It's not based on emotions, but based on the will. You decide, you choose. It seeks nothing in return. Agape is the kind of love that we give freely. We seek the welfare of others. We seek good for others. And Jesus himself, he spoke of agape in a very specific way in John 3, 16. He said, for this is how God showed his love for, for the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus was talking about agape there. God showed his agape for us when he went to that cross willingly in a torturous and painful death, died for us so that we could live. That is agape. And that is the kind of love that Jesus is calling us to. He's not calling us to a shaky, not firm, emotion-based love, but a love that is self-sacrificing and seeks the well-being of others. When he says, love your enemies, he's saying, love your enemies with the same love that I have shown you, that I showed you on the cross. Now, Jesus is really specific here, and I love Jesus because he really tries to help us to understand what he's saying. He said, love your enemies, very specifically. Now, why do you think that is? Why was he so specific about enemies? Well, I think it's because in the, in the Gospel of John, he says this, there's this one phrase over and over that John writes. He goes, Jesus knew the hearts of men. He understood human nature. He knew his creation. He understands that it's so easy for us to choose to love people we, who love us, people we like, people who think like us and look like us and speak like us and, and come from the same place and like the things we like and don't like the things that we don't like. We love to love people who respect us and honor us and love us back. That's human nature, that's all of us. That's not a, that's not a wrong thing, but Jesus is calling us to something deeper a deeper love. It's not the totality of the love he is calling us to. Jesus calls us to love our enemies, people who are actively opposed or hostile to us, especially those people seeking to injure, overthrow, confuse, or shame us. Now, I'm sure that even as I said that, you're probably thinking of somebody right now from work or your neighbor or somebody in your family even who has really been trying to injure you or shame you, who has been openly hostile to you. Jesus is asking us to love that very person that you're thinking of. And as people, what's really interesting to me and kind of scary too is that we don't have a hard time considering someone to be opposed to us or maybe even calling them an enemy. I know it's a strong word, but that doesn't give us license to treat them any old kind of way. We are called to something higher, to something better, to the way that Jesus loves. We are, to, we are so quick sometimes to consider revenge and create a personal vendetta against someone and, and, and act it out because they've hurt us. 
This is human nature, but this is not the way of Jesus. This is not what he calls us to. Let me read to you from our scripture passage in Matthew chapter five. We'll look at verse 38. It says, you have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it for two miles. So to respond to our enemies, to those who oppose us, is to respond in the way of Jesus with mercy and love, not to exact revenge or act out of a personal vendetta. Jesus calls us to give to those who are hostile, who oppose us, who are seeking to shame us more or better than what we think they deserve. When Jesus said, love your enemies, he was saying, hey, you know that person who lied about you? Love them. You know that person who accused you? Love them too. You know that person who went out of their way to actively and openly shame you in a public place? Love them. That person who gets on your right next and last nerve really is antagonizing and poke, poke, pokes you in that really tender spot you've got. Love them too. If you love Jesus, you must love your enemies. And I can say this with 100% confidence because Jesus said this in our passage for today. And not only that, Jesus reveals the hallmark of those who love him. In the Gospel of John, he says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Jesus said, if you love me, you will do what I say. And Jesus said, love your enemies. Love those who oppose you. Love those who are hostile to you. Love those who are seeking to shame you and seeking to injure you and seeking to harm you. So if you love Jesus, you must love your enemies. Now that could be the end of the message, but it's not. I hope that there are some questions in your heart and your mind, because I know that when I read this, I was challenged. And I'm here to tell you today that I have not arrived in this loving your enemy stuff. This is a journey that we all take with Jesus, and we will never arrive until we reach the other side of glory. So I'm here to share with you the why and the how. Why, why Jesus would you ask me to love my enemies and how? How on earth am I supposed to love these people who are opposing me and shaming me and injuring me and seeking my harm? Well, let's get to the why first and then we'll get to the how. First, we must love our enemies, those who are seeking to harm us because Jesus did and Jesus does. It's plain and simple. We can see it in the Gospels. We see Jesus reaching out to those who people might consider undesirable, those who people might consider enemies, those who people might have pushed out to the outskirts of society. We see Jesus loves Zacchaeus, the short tax collector up in a tree. He says, Zacchaeus, come down. I have to have a meal at your house today. And Jesus honored him by loving him. He blessed Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus' heart was transformed. He promised to return the funds if he had exacted exorbitant taxes. And to the Jews, tax collectors were evil. They always said evil tax collector because they had a reputation for exacting more taxes than they should just to get rich. 
So for Jesus to love Zacchaeus, it was very significant. Jesus also loved a woman in the book of Luke who is called the sinful woman. She doesn't even have a name. But Jesus loved her. She came into the house of a Pharisee where he was eating and she wept at his feet. She washed his feet with her tears. She dried his feet with her hair. Then she anointed his feet with perfume, expensive perfume. And people were outraged that she was even there. How dare you be here with Jesus? But Jesus loved her. He saw the sacrifice. He saw the state of her heart and he blessed her. He offered her forgiveness of sins. That's how he loved that sinful woman. My favorite story is the woman at the well in John chapter four. He loved that Samaritan woman. Now you know that the Jews and the Samaritans were not friends by a long shot. This was really an enemy. He sat at a well with a woman whom he knew her reputation, He knew all the things of her life and he spoke gently and kindly to her. And as he loved her in this way, he called her out of the life that she was living in sin and into the life that he created her for. That is how Jesus loved his enemies, those people who were opposed to him or or appeared to be opposed to him. But there's one more enemy that I think is really important for me to bring up today. One more person or persons who were opposed to Jesus. It's you. It's me. And we can see this in the book of Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. The Bible says, you who were once far away from God, you were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, He has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without fault. So while we were still sinners, while we were helpless and separated from God, when we were considered his enemies, Jesus came down. He lived a completely sinless life and he willingly stepped and took up the cross and bore a torturous death just so that we could be restored to him. He loved us when we were his enemies, before we did anything, before all of us were even born. This is the way of the love of Jesus. We are called his children, his sons and his daughters, and we have an inheritance in the kingdom of God because Jesus loved us. And we are called as his children, as his followers, as those who love him, to be the light. Like Pastor Craig talked about last week, he calls us the light of the world. So we're called to reflect who Jesus is and who Jesus is, is love. That's why we are called to love our enemies, those who oppose us, those who are hostile, those who injure us and seek us harm and shame us because Jesus, that is the way he is. And we have to show the world exactly who Jesus is. That's our call. So Jesus' love for his enemies is the reason I can confidently say, if you love Jesus, you must love your enemies. Jesus didn't just say, love your enemies. He actually did it. In every interaction you can see, I only listed three, but there are so many more where you can see the love Jesus had for people who were considered outsiders or on the fringe or didn't belong. 
Another reason why we must love our enemies is because it gives us a chance to grow in spiritual maturity, to reflect the glory of God in an increasing measure. This is also part of our life as Christ followers. We're not to stay the same. We're supposed to be growing and maturing in Christ. Let me read to you from our passage again in Matthew 5. It says, but I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. So we reveal who we are, our true identity as children of God, when we choose to love our enemies with that agape love that Jesus has shown us. This is part of what it means to be spiritually mature. But we are also called to be perfect, as our Father in heaven is perfect. Now, I don't know about you, but that word perfect makes me very uncomfortable because I'm not perfect by a long shot. Like, I sin, I make mistakes, I have flaws, I have things that I'm working on. I'm like, Lord, how can you tell me that I'm supposed to be perfect as you are perfect? It seems ludicrous to me. But perfect is not what we think of it as, as without flaw or without sin or without making mistakes. This is not what Jesus meant. Let me read to you from the Amplified Version of this same verse, okay? In the Amplified Version, Matthew chapter 5, verse 48 says, You, therefore, will be perfect, growing into spiritual maturity, both in mind and character, actively integrating godly values into your daily life as your heavenly Father is perfect. So perfect means that we are pursuing in a God in a way that is reflected in our lives, that you can see the godliness, the holiness, the righteousness, the kindness, the love, the reflection of God in our lives. This, it happens as we choose to love our enemies. We become more perfect, more holy, more spiritually mature as we step out and do what Jesus calls us to do and love our enemies. And this is what is supposed to happen as we live our lives for Jesus. Now, loving your enemies, those who are opposed to us, those who seek to shame us, those who injure us, this is a real part of my story as a follower of Jesus. You know, clearly I'm a black woman and I live in America because I'm here, right? But I have been confronted with racism and racist stereotypes And in these places, this is where Jesus has taught me, has led me, has shown me what it means to love people who hurt, love people who shame, love people who injure me. I have experienced what Dr. King has described as being judged by the color of my skin and not the content of my character. I have been followed around in stores. I have been not served in restaurants. I have been distrusted, discredited, opposed. And yet, I am still here. I am here because the love of Jesus has transformed me and compelled me to live in a way that reflects his love for me. Let me give you a very, very specific story here. So when I was a freshman, in school, I was excited and invited to take a French literature class in French. Now, what you don't know about me is that I love France. I love French food, French culture, the French language. I love other countries that speak French. I just love it. Give me a croissant and some chocolate any 
day, some cheese too, right? Some cheese, right? The cheese. And so I was excited, I was stoked. I got invited into this class. This class was gonna read French literature in French, friends. So I was ready to dive deeply into the culture, to hear and to learn more about the culture. And this class was hard. I was ready. I bought my French to English dictionary. It was huge. It was about this thick by LaRousse. I had this 501 French verbs ready to conjugate and to translate, ready to just give it my all. And so I did. I read all the things. And then we were assigned a paper and I was excited. You know why? Because I wanted to show off how smart I was. I was ready to show everyone I know this French stuff. And so I wrote this paper. I sat down. Now this is before Google Translate. So I had to do it all on my own with my wits, with my dictionary, with my 501 French verbs. And so I sat and I wrote a masterpiece. It was a magnum opus. It was excellent. I was ready to receive my A. Yes. And you know what? I submitted it proud. And then I got an email from my professor instead of an A. He said, hey, come meet with me. And I said, oh, okay. I knew something wasn't quite right. I stepped into his office and he said to me, who wrote that paper for you? And I said, oh, it was me. I wrote that. Very disturbed by this line of questioning. He asked me again, well, how, how did you do it? I was like, I bought a dictionary and I used my 501 French verbs. He's like, but how did you know how to put the verbs together and, the, and the, all the other parts of speech in French and all the things? I, I, I just read the books. He did not believe me. He continued to accuse me of having either purchased a paper or stolen a paper or have someone else wrote it. For, I don't know exactly what he thought I did, but it was not true. This accusation was a slap in the face because I knew the time I had spent. But he took one look at me and decided that I was not capable of producing the work that I submitted. So what was my choice in that moment? I could choose to go off on an angry tirade I could go off and accuse him. I could go off and say all these things to him. But you know what? That's not what Jesus led me to do in that moment. He, I was quiet and still. I know that was the Lord speaking to my heart, leading me, showing me what it looks like to love someone who opposed me openly. Now what happened? You wanna know the rest of the story, right? So I went back to class. I had to go back to class and be in this class with this professor who had accused me of something to me so heinous. And so I went and he hammered me the rest of the, the, the class. He asked me hard questions and I had to respond in French, but God was good to me because I had the answers. He helped me to speak some wonderful French. It might've been a little broken sometimes, but he knew what I meant. And let me tell you, Time for the final came, the day of reckoning, it felt like, because our final was in person. And so I, there was no way that I could cheat if I was cheating. And so I crushed the thing, friends. I got an A on my exam, right? But let me tell you what's more important in this moment is that he saw that. I got an A on the exam, an A in the class, and he never came back to me. He never apologized for the accusation. He never checked on me. 
But I still had a choice, right? I had a choice to choose. Was I going to hate this man? Or was I going to choose the way of Jesus? Was I going to love him with the agape, that self-sacrificing love, a love that sought his welfare despite the way he trapped me? What, what, was the, what, was the, what was I gonna do? What was I gonna decide? I chose the way of love. Why? Because I believe that if I love Jesus, I have to love those people who are opposed to me. And the reason, the reason it is so important for us to be sure that we lay down these things is what I felt. I felt the lightning when I chose to forgive, when I chose to love. I didn't have the weightiness. So it is, we have to choose to love. We have to love our enemies before the health of our own heart and soul and mind. I know your story might not, like, might not be like mine. You might not have one quite like that, but I know you have one. You have a story where someone has hurt you and you have to choose. You have to choose the way of forgiveness, friends, the way of love, the way of Jesus. Dr. King put it this way. Hate for hate only intensifies the experience of hate and evil in the universe. The strong person is the person who can cut off the chain of hate, the chain of evil, and inject within the very structure of the universe that strong and powerful element of love. He's saying, if you love Jesus, you must love your enemies because it gives us the chance to fight, beat back the darkness, not with our fists, but with our love, with the way that Jesus loved. That love is a transformative love. And you know, that person might not change, but it will change you for sure. That's why Jesus calls us to love. So now we need to get to the how, right? Because I'm sure you're wondering, okay, I get it why. I hear you, Crystal. I hear that we need to, for the health of our heart and our soul, we need to love our enemies because Jesus did, because we need to grow in spiritual maturity. But how? How on earth am I supposed to love my enemies? What does that even look like? Well, I have two words for you. And I want to thank my friend Tamson for these two words. Mission impossible. Humanly speaking, it is mission impossible for us to love our enemies. It's impossible. And you know that movie, I remember I watched the first one again because I had to make sure I was ready for this moment. You know, Tom Cruise, he had a team of people around him who were experts in technology and experts in weapons and experts in cyber type things. If you know these movies, and there was that moment where he's hanging above the floor one inch off the ground, catching that drop of sweat. The only reason he hung there is because he had someone holding him up. So as we think about this mission we have as, as Christ followers, you have a mission, I have a mission, and it is to love people who are opposed to us. We have a team, and our team is of one. We have God with us. He is the way that this is possible because there is nothing impossible with God. He is the only way that we can do this. So let's look how Peter describes what God does for us. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. So this means that when we surrender our lives to Jesus, we have the opportunity to be equipped to do all the things that we are called to do by God. This includes loving our enemies. In Romans, Paul describes what this looks like. How does God equip us? Let me read to you. He says, one whose heart is right with God 
as a changed heart produced by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit fills our hearts with his love. So we can love our enemies through the power of the Holy Spirit. The only way you can love your enemies, those who are opposed to you, those who injure you, those who harm you, those who shame you, is by having the Holy Spirit come inside of you when you say yes to Jesus and he changes your heart. He fills your heart with the love, the agape that we're supposed to have so that we can pour it out to the people around us, to those who are opposed to us, to those who injure us, to those who openly shame us. He helps us to make the choice to love our enemies. And now this got me to, be th- got me to thinking. As people who love Jesus and have Holy Spirit inside of us, we should be the most loving people on the planet. We have come face to face with agape. When we look at the cross, when you think about the cross, you can see the self-sacrificing love, that, that willingness to lay down everything for us. That's the love that fills us as we allow Holy Spirit to to rule and reign in our lives, as we allow him to transform us. But we're not always that way, are we? We have to allow Holy Spirit to do this in us. We have to have these types of encounter. And we need it a lot. This world is hard. There are mean people there out there. I mean, I'm just going to say it. There are mean people. And it is very hard for us to choose in the face of evil and darkness and hurt and pain and shame for us to choose love. That's why we have to encounter the love of Jesus on a regular basis. Sometimes, I'm not just talking first 20. I'm talking about first 20 and then second 20 and then third 20 and then fourth 20. As you go through your day, because sometimes those days are really hard and you're like, Jesus, I need some more love so I can love this person because they are getting on my right nerve. This is what the Lord has called us to. Those moments we have at the feet of Jesus fill our hearts. They fuel us. They enable us. They make us able to lean in and love our enemies the way that Jesus has called us to. So now let's get real practical here because I love to do that. Because What does that mean, Crystal? We are filled by the Spirit, okay. But what does loving our enemies, loving people who oppose us actually look like? Let me read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. So, Paul has told us to love your enemies, you must be patient and kind. You must not respond in jealousy or pride. You must be willing to freely give up your own way. Now that one is really challenging. Give up your own way. You must be willing to forgive. You must rejoice when truth is revealed. You must never give up, never lose faith, never lose hope and endure in this love because this is the kind of love that Jesus has shown us. This is how we show that we have received that same love. Let's turn in Proverbs, we have some more wisdom on what it looks like to love people who are opposed to us or shame us or hurt us. If you go to Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12, it says, hatred stirs up quarrels, 
but love makes up for all offenses. So that means that loving your enemies looks like forgiving and not allowing yourself to be drawn into animosity and strife and arguments. And sometimes I have to admit, sometimes it feels good to fight somebody. Like you wanna argue because you know you're right, but love really, the agape love we're talking about doesn't do that. It chooses to not seek your own way. It chooses to engage in peace, not strife, not animosity, not arguments. One more scripture for you from, from Proverbs. Proverbs 15, one, one of my favorites says, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. So loving your enemies, loving those who hurt you, looks like choosing words of peace, not responding in a way, you know, matching energy for energy, responding gently to someone who is actually openly antagonizing you. They're choosing to poke at you, to make you feel uncomfortable or upset. Responding gently. That's what loving your enemies looks like. And one more thing from the words of Jesus in Luke chapter six. It says, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. These words of Jesus are telling us that loving your enemies might not feel like what you want to do initially, but it's Holy Spirit who prompts us to do the thing that God has called us to do. So when someone acts out of hate or acts badly toward you, what do you do? You do good to them if it's in your power to do so. You pray for them and you bless them. Now, I'm not saying say, oh, bless your heart. You know, when someone says that, they're not really blessing you. I'm saying, you know, ask the Lord, ask the Lord what it is that he wants for this person. Say, Jesus, what do you want for this person? What good thing do you have in your hand for them? This is the way of Jesus. So it's so important for us to remember, friends, that Jesus isn't asking us to love our enemies and our own strength. I really cannot emphasize this enough because we can't do it. Just remember the words mission impossible because you literally cannot do it without him. We have to encounter and receive his love. We have to be filled with his love and we have to be changed by his love so that we can love the way that he does. And one more thing. Friends, it's not enough for us to just focus on loving Jesus. He calls us to love our neighbors, to love our enemies. He calls us to go out and love. We have to be transformed in order to do that. So, Closing words, if you love Jesus, you must love your enemies, as simple as that. You have a choice to make today. Will you choose to follow the words of Jesus? Will you choose to love your enemies, to love those who hurt you and oppose you and shame you and injure you? Will you choose that today? I think this is a good moment to pray because we all have choices to make today. Let's pray. Oh dear Jesus, we thank you so much for your radical love. Jesus, we confess that we have not loved as you do. And Jesus, we are more aware now, more than ever, that we need you. We need your love, we need your strength. We need you to transform us so that we can go out and love the way that you love. 
Awaken our hearts, awaken our souls so that we can receive your agape, so that we know what it's like to be loved by you so that we can go and love other people. Lord, I pray today that we would be filled with an increasing understanding and knowledge of what and who your love is. You are love, Jesus. Reveal yourself to us today. And God, we pray that you would help us when we face these circumstances of being harmed, when we have been opposed, when we have been shamed, help us to hear your voice and to choose the way of agape, the way of love. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So friends, I pray that today you make the choice to start this journey of love with Jesus. That you would choose today to love that person that you were thinking of earlier in service today, that person, ask the Lord what that looks like. I pray that you would choose the way of love today because it's what Jesus calls us to. Amen. Amen.